This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, I didn't realize, to be honest with you, it was not a secret. I wasn't trying to keep it a secret, but I was surprised that so many people knew that this past Wednesday, I went to Cleveland Clinic to get a second opinion on my heart, and no one sent me there. It was, you probably have seen the commercials on television for Cleveland Clinic and come up here for a second opinion. And so I set up an appointment and went up, and several people from here have been to the Cleveland Clinic. And one of the tests they gave me at the beginning, I was curious how I did. And I said to the nurse, whoever was giving me the test, how did I do? And she said, you're at the low end of normal. <laughs> and I, I said, that's the story of my life. <laughs> Intelligence, low end of normal. Athletic ability, low, low end of normal. Other skills, mechanical skills, really low end of normal. But that was what she said. You're at the low end of normal. I want you to think back, those of you that are old enough to do so, 40 years ago, 1979. Now, some of you are younger than that. That's fine. But go back as far as you can. 40 years is a long time. 1979 was when the Iran hostage conflict started with the hostages taken as prisoners. 1979 was a year of the horrible plane crash at O'Hare Airport, not far from where I grew up, where a, a jet took off and lost an engine. It just dropped out and hydraulic fluid lost everywhere and the plane crashed. Horrible tragedy in Chicago, just outside of the city of Chicago. I want you to think about what happened in your life in 1979. What's significant about it? You say, well, what are you talking about 40 years ago for, for this reason? That's the length of time that God's people had to wander in the wilderness before they left Egypt. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness before they came to the promised land. And you know what I found is that many people know that the Israelites wandered for 40 years. And you ask, Why did they do that? And they say GPS problems or no AAA, and we've got all kinds of reasons why that may have happened. But let me tell you, it's because of sin. Their disobedience to the Lord. And I find that intriguing, that God would insist that for 40 years, and it'll explain itself in a minute when we read the text in Joshua, that they wandered for 40 years until all the men who were of military age which would be right now would be like 18 to 30. All those men died before they were allowed to go into the promised land. What does that mean? It means the Lord takes disobedience very seriously in your life and in my life. We live in a culture today that doesn't feel any compunction to follow the Word of God, let alone read it. We don't have any compunction to say, well, we need to do what God says in our lives because it's every man and every woman for himself or herself. And yet we're going to talk about the price and the cost of disobedience by looking at one verse. The Israelites had moved about in the desert 40 years until all the men 
who were of military age when they left Egypt, had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, this message from Joshua 5-6 will continue tomorrow on Crossover. And now we're going to read the companion passage that explains it, illuminates what they did. These people didn't violate some scriptural rules and didn't cross their T's and didn't dot their I's religiously. There's some serious disobedience. Here it is. It's pretty graphic. Verse 32, Psalm 106 says this, By the waters of Meribah, they, God's people, angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them. For they rebelled against the Spirit of God. If you underline in your Bible, underline that phrase, for they rebelled against the Spirit of God. Not just God, but the Spirit of God. And rash words came from Moses' lips. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the nations. Underline the word mingled. I'm going to talk about a definition of mingled you've never heard before and biblically mingled among the nations and adopted their customs. They worshiped their idols, which became a snare to them. This is graphic verse, verse 37. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. Randy, does it mean that? Yeah, it does mean that. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was desecrated by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did, and by their deeds they prostituted themselves. I don't know what you consider serious disobedience in your family in terms of children. Some of you have gone through some pretty serious disobedience with a teenager over the years, and stories that we don't even know, the people next to you, don't even know. But I want you to picture a nation claimed to be with God as their father, and God as their leader, and God as the director of all that's happening in their lives, and they rebelled against Him. And they rebelled against His commands. And we're going to talk about disobedience in your life in a way that perhaps you've never heard of before, because there is a price to pay for disobedience. Let's look. First of all, at verse 6 of Joshua 5, they moved about in the desert for 40 years. There is a price to disobedience that comes. Let me tell you a humorous story, but it's not really humorous, but it's mild compared to what these people did. Stacy Roche is a writer, and she said, we're all happier when we choose to obey, whether we know it or not. We're happier when we choose to obey the Lord. Sometimes the consequences of disobedience can be painful. Stacy says a friend tells of a family vacation in Florida. The daughter wanted to, to come back home with the perfect bronze tan, but the vacation was only a few days long. Against her mom's clear advice, the girl decided to skip the sunscreen and spent the entire first day on the beach under a cloudless sky with no sunscreen. 
Of course, that's all it took for her to get a major sunburn that kept her in agony for days. She was in agony for days and days. I tried to tell her, my friend said to me, but sometimes you just have to learn the hard way. Well, that's a mild example of disobedience, but there was a price to pay. And Charles Stanley said there's a cost to disobedience. There is a cost. What have you paid in terms of cost? of disobedience. You know, it's very personal. But some of you could say and give testimony to the power of disobedience in your own life. And we'll continue tomorrow on Crosshope. That's crosshope.org. I want to turn to chapter 106 of Psalms because I'm going to do a little verse by verse there. By the water, verse 32, by the waters of Meribah, they angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them. I don't know if you saw the connection there. When you disobey the Lord, you cause trouble for other people in your family. Some of you didn't hear that. Listen to that again. When you disobey the Lord, and I disobey the Lord, we cause trouble to other people in the family. Listen carefully. This may be the most important thing I'm going to say today. You can't be a husband and father in 2019 and sin and not impact your family. You can't be a wife or mother and or both in 2019 and sin and not impact your family. There is a ripple effect of what we do in the lives of other people. There's an extension. And so notice here, the people sinned against God, but they caused trouble for Moses. Trouble came to Moses because of them. And then I want to focus on verse 33, for they rebelled against the Spirit of God, and rash words came from Moses' lips. I, I was thinking of that all this week. They rebelled against the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, and then it dawned on me. To rebel against God may be rebelling against His commandments, but to rebel against the Spirit of God is to rebel against the intent of God, the very person of God. Someone's spirit is important. A marriage counselor, some of you have heard me share this with you, a marriage counselor told me years ago that the greatest source of wounds in marriage is when a husband or wife withdraws their spirit from their mate. It's not necessarily a physical thing. It's not even something you do that you can point to a day. It's just you withdraw your spirit. And to rebel against the Spirit of God is to rebel against His essence of who He is. Let me give you another example of how there's a ripple effect of what we do. Annie and I ministered in Texas in the late 90s, and there was a singer from Austin, Texas, with a very Texas name, Jimmy Dale Gilmore. Isn't that sound like a Texas name? Jimmy Dale. And he was well-known in Texas. I don't think he was known outside of Texas, but he was a well-known country singer in the state of Texas. He writes one of the most honest statements about a life that I've ever read. Listen to what he said. I caused hurt and sorrow to those closest to me by living my life with my own gratification as the guiding principle. That's pretty verbal, but listen to it again. I caused hurt and sorrow to those closest to me by living my life with my own gratification as the guiding principle. That's all that mattered, is my own gratification. 
The old cliche that experience is the best teacher proved itself to me with a vengeance. Proved itself to me with a vengeance. For some of us, experience is the only teacher. I had to learn the hard way. Listen to this next paragraph. It's strong, but it's true. I went through a few years of just getting lost and more lost. The drugs, the sex, the alcohol, it sounded like a lot of fun. That is, if you don't figure in the remorseful hangovers, the depression, or the loneliness that is both the cause and the effect of the whole vicious cycle. He's a good writer. It's both the cause and effect of the whole vicious cycle. I went far enough down that I came to the place, listen to this, he said, I either had to change or die. Anybody ever been there? Don't raise your hand. I went far enough down that I came to the place, listen to this, he said, I either had to change or die. Anybody ever been there? Don't raise your hand. Maybe you have been there. You have to change or die. You have to make a decision that something's got to change. And when we choose to violate the very Spirit of God and to go against His will, that's what we're doing. We come to the place where you got to change or die spiritually. People are capable of learning, and learning that I had no wisdom on my own finally opened up for me to learn from those who did. I was given a second chance. He said, I really found out that the words of Jesus were true. That's interesting, that the words of Jesus were true. I know now that's the case, not by faith, but by experience. I know it not by faith, but by experience. Charles Stanley writes this. I I don't think I've ever quoted Charles Stanley in years. And he said, here are the things that disobedience will do. It will cause confusion in your mind and in your soul. Your plans will be frustrated in life, but it'll cause confusion. It'll cause conflict with others. There's internal conflict and a spirit of uneasiness with other people. That's true. There's a cost. Disobedience is always costly. There's a loss. We experience loss at some point, emotionally or physically. We experience regret. We experience pain. We experience disaster. And we experience discipline. He says there's a result to willful, deliberate disobedience to the Word of God. I ask you this question. What has disobedience done in your family? What has disobedience done in your relationships, your closest relationships to people? And disobedience to the Word of God has a price tag connected to it. Now let's get into the really heavy-duty stuff in verse 34. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. You know, when the people of God were told to get rid of the peoples of Canaan, we think they're, you know, pushing out the Waltons and this family group, and that's not the case at all. They were people that were involved in the wickedest things you can think of, namely child sacrifice. There are some that think there was even a demonic connection with some of these people that they worship Satan, and there could have been satanic worship of the day, or whatever that meant. But they did not destroy the peoples, and they mingled with the nations. I'm always interested in word meanings. I wanted to know what mingled meant. You know what I found it meant? It meant it's the same word as braiding hair. 
Anybody ever braided somebody's hair? What happens to that hair that's braided? You can't get it apart easily. You ever braided a rug? You know that the fibers can be braided together. And I think you get the picture. It's a great word picture that Israel mingled with the nations they were told to get rid of and destroy. And they became one with them. To mingle with means they became one with. I found out another meaning of the word mingle has to do with the word mortgage. It has to do with financial dealings where you put up collateral. It's, it's really an interesting term when you say they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. Adopting their customs meant they took on their religion and they worshiped their idols, verse 36, which had become a snare to them. And the ultimate act of evil was verse 37. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols or the gods of Canaan. John Fountain was a writer. He was a professor of journalism, but he grew up in a big city life. He was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune and the Washington Post. And he wrote this book, The True Vine, A Young Black Man's Journey of Faith, Hope, and Charity. I believe in God, the God, the Father, embodied in His Son, Jesus Christ, he said, the God who allowed me to feel His presence, whether by the warmth that filled my belly like hot chocolate on a cold afternoon or that voice whenever I found myself in the tempest of life's storms telling me, even when I was told that I was nothing, that I was something, and that I was His, His with a capital H, and that even amid the desertion of a man who gave me his name and DNA, my dad, I might find in him with a capital H sustenance. You see, I believe in God, the God whom I've come to know as Father, as Abba, Father, in the New Testament. I always envied boys that I saw walking hand in hand with their fathers. I thirsted for the conversations that fathers and sons have about the birds and the bees or nothing at all, simply feeling his heartbeat, his presence. As a boy, this is so sad, I used to sit on the front porch watching the cars roll by, imagining that one day one of those cars would park and the man getting out would be my dad. But it never happened. It never happened. So when I was 18, I could find no tears that Alabama winter's evening in January of 1979, 40 years ago, as I stood finally face to face with my father lying dead in a casket, his eyes sealed, his heart no longer beating, his breath forever stilled, killed in a car accident, driving drunk, leaving me hobbled by sorrow, of years of fatherlessness. Now, one more paragraph, and I'll end his story. It wasn't until many years later, standing over my father's grave for a long overdue conversation, that my tears flowed. I told him about the man I had become. I told him how much I wished he'd been in my life, and I realized that in his absence, I had found another, or that he, God the Father, God my Father, had found me. Let me tell you what John Fountain is describing, a life of disobedience that impacted the lives of other people. It's the reason I'm telling that story. 
The dad's disobedience just didn't impact him. The dad couldn't say, I'm not hurting anybody but me. That's a lie from the pit. He was hurting people, namely his son named John Fountain. And John said, I had to discover a father and son relationship from another. And that was the Lord God Almighty. Some of you have been there perhaps. And you have had to search out a relationship with God the Father through the Son. Because that's where the hope is. That's where the hope is. Decide today that there's a price for disobedience. The price is very expensive. It's regret, it's pain, it's disaster, it's loss, it's conflict, it's confusion, all of the above. What has disobedience done in your life? And what has obedience done? I want to close with this. There's a famous hymn. I don't think we're singing it today, but trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus when we trust and obey. There is joy in obeying the Lord. Decide that today in 2019. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this strong passage that we read. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.